When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in here and introduce, introduce the show. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. <laughs> Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I have Tamika with me. Hello to everyone. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I just want to say thanks again for joining me. Oh, yeah. No problem. This. All right. Uh, for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Lethal Weapon. Uh, the whole entire Lethal Weapon trilogy. Then we're also going to be dropping into Todd McFarlane with the Spawn news. And then we're also going to be talking about the movie theaters opening up possibly in July. And then there was actually another thing I wanted to talk about too, aside from that. And that was uh, The Walking Dead. We're going to be doing a, a, re- a review on The Walking Dead. And we're also going to be talking about Tom Hardy's Al Capone movie. So, let's go on ahead and talk about the Lethal Weapon trilogy. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, I know that you ended up watching the Lethal Weapon trilogy just recently on Netflix, because I know that all four of them are actually released on there. Yeah, I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just randomly was like, what do I feel like watching? Lethal Weapon? Okay, sure. (laughs) And then I was like, well, I can't just stop here. I need to go to two. Exactly. And then you were like, oh, we're going to do a podcast on Lethal Weapon. I was like, oh, crap. Where can I find three or four? Netflix. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I thought it was actually pretty cool that they actually have all four of them. Because I remember before they only had like part two and then they don't have the rest of them. I'm like, okay, I want to see the rest of the trilogy because I grew up on the trilogy. Of the Lethal Weapon series, which is actually one of the best buddy cop movies there is, whenever you're dealing with the 80s vibe, include and uh, that's also part of the whole entire vibe with 48 Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> but what you know, was first of, huh? was um 48 Hours first? Yeah, yeah, 48 okay. Hours was the first. Okay. Cool. Then I also remember too, another uh, Stakeout was another one with Richard Dreyfuss. Oh and yeah. I remember that. There was three, right? Yep. Like Stakeout 1, 2, and 3? No, there was just uh, Stakeout and then another Stakeout. Oh, they didn't make it to three. No. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> right? I would have I would have loved to see a, a third one, to be honest with you. I mean, they can now. They're just be senior citizens on another Stakeout. Right. Well, Richard uh, Dreyfus would be. Amelia Estevez is definitely up in age and everything now, but you know, but you know, I really love the Lethal Weapon movies because of the ridiculousness of the 80s and not only that, but if nobody's familiar with the Lethal Weapon, the very first Lethal Weapon movie, it's where you have Martin Riggs and then you have Danny Glover's um, role where he plays Martha. Martha wants to retire. And then you also have Mel Gibson, who plays Martin Riggs, who's just a loose cannon. He's very suicidal because his wife's dying. And it also takes place during Christmas time, which is actually the most suicide attempts actually happen. It's on 
is on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but also the most suicides that actually actually happen is on Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a very interesting spin that they actually put Mel Gibson in a role like that. And plus, too, I like the fact, you know, they gave him layers to his character and gave him a good arc to his character as you uh, keep watching the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, it seems like he, when they um, had introduced him, it seems like he would have just been a side character, you know, if you didn't dig, if you didn't see the rest of the movie. Like, oh, it's just some crazy guy coming in here talking about his wife. <laughs> right. And then no, he doesn't want to get attached to anybody. Like, he's he's just one of those people that, like, he just wants to work alone. He just wants to go on ahead and and just do his thing. And that's it. He doesn't want to be involved with anybody. He, he's a loose cannon, like I said before. As a matter of fact, uh, Internal Investigations uh, told uh, Murtaugh and everything, he had no choice but to work for uh, work with Riggs. Mm, yeah, so, I remember that. I thought that was actually pretty funny, though, because you have this guy who's on the verge of wanting to retire, and then you have a guy who wants to actually swallow a bullet <laughs> and everything. So Murtaugh's kind of babysitting him at that point because he's wondering, okay, this guy's going to lose his shit pretty soon. Yeah, and then it turned out to be great that he was kind of psychotic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know what? The scene that I really loved was the scene with the whole entire uh, suicide thing where the guy is actually jumping from the building. He goes, come on, one jump? I'll jump with you. <laughs> and Martel goes, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> He's the worst negotiator ever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You do not want to put Riggs on a suicide hotline. No, you do not. <laughs> At that point, you do not. <laughs> a loose cannon. Like, you gonna do it? Then do it. Come on. I did it yesterday. What? <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. That doesn't Why make sense. <laughs> no. And that's what I loved about it was the ridiculousness of it. It just has that cheesy 80s vibe to it. But the chemistry between Danny Glover and Mel Gibson is just fantastic. Yeah. Which is why they're so glued into it. I was shocked. You know, like, it seemed like they're two unlikely actors who just came together in this movie. Um, I would like to go back and read about how this movie started. Like, the idea or the, and the concept of it same here as well because i bet that would be pretty interesting i would like to know who they wanted to cast as oh yeah me too yeah and also marta as well because i'm sure that they actually had other actors involved that wanted to play that role but you know i really have to say um who who played the main villain i keep on forgetting what is it oh Oh, i know juicy juicy is his last name in one, right? Yeah, it was Busey. Uh, oh, Busey. yeah, that's right. That's right. Because yeah. remember, he had um, in the, was there some kind of strip club or something they were in? And one yeah, of the guys yeah. had a lighter, and then Busey put his arm under the lighter, like, oh, I can take it. Oh, look at right. me. I thought the guy's <laughs> crazy. Like, the macho man. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, he looked handsome, but he was crazy. 
if you think about it, he was pretty much close to the same level as what Martin Riggs was. Yes. If you think about Ooh. it. Those characters were both the same in a certain aspect. Side note. I get um, Busey mixed up with Nick Nolte. I do too. <laughs> I really do. You're not the only one. Oh, thank I, God. I <laughs> no, I'm serious. I actually get mixed up with him. I'm like, okay, is that Gary Busey or is that Nick Nolte? Because they're both close on the same range as well yeah and it doesn't help that nick nolte was in 48 hours and i'm assuming lethal weapon was after 48 hours or a little bit after or whatever i'm sure that i think that uh 48 hours was actually the first buddy caught movie oh because Lethal Weapon came out in 87, yes. and then you actually had uh, 48 Hours. Hold on, I'm actually researching it. Because <laughs> now you got, it's 1982. I was right. Huh. So, yeah. So, you actually did have Nick Nolte and also um, Eddie Murphy in a first buddy cop movie together. Hmm. And of course, it also had another 48 hours. So there was like two buddy cop movies. Oh, yeah. I see the formula now. Like, I, I have right. black, white cops <laughs> in unity <laughs> together. And you know what else? The is bad guy. <laughs> right. But you know what's funny, though, is the fact that, you know, it seems like that they always want to do something to the black cop, and it's never something that they want to do to the white cop at all. Huh. Like for instance, like for instance, let's say this. Remember, uh, Danny Glover's always getting into something. Uh, like between his house getting blown up, <laughs> uh, his wife and him getting tied up and having tape over their mouths. When they were going to do the a little project, uh, the construction uh project that they were going to be doing for his hobby room. This is two, right? Yeah. That was two, right? I want to say that was three because I remember in the third one that there was that they wanted to do that, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, because the second one was dealing, remember, it was dealing with Joe Pesci's character because they were had him in witness protection. Yeah. Not witness protection. Oh, yeah, that's the South African one. Two is, yeah, yeah when point. they were battling. Yeah, that's that was another thing I wanted to bring up. <laughs> Like the Lethal Weapon series, they seem to touch on um, like international issues, like South African apartheid. I'm assuming at that time. Um, and uh, the first one, like we were talking about with suicide and death. Um, I think the right. third one touched on like gangs. But yeah, also like um, shady businessmen, and then like yep. illegal guns on the streets, and the fourth one yep. touched on um, like immigration mm-hmm. in a sense. Exactly, and that's what I liked about these movies was the fact that you know they weren't scared to actually touch on things that people can gravitate towards. Yes, thing, especially in the eighties era, and everything too. But, you know, I really loved the the chemistry between them, like I said before, between Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, too. Yes, I'm and, up for Lethal Weapon 5 if they wanted to do it. 
Well, to be honest with you, they were talking about doing a Lethal Weapon 5 movie. And matter of fact, a couple of months back, or maybe last year, I actually did the report on it where they said, where the director or the writer from the first couple of movies, he said, oh, yeah, uh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson are signed on to do it, but there's no script. Will somebody write a script? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I want to actually ask you this later and a little bit later but what would you want out of a lethal weapon five uh, movie what would the premise be but i want to go on ahead and talk about the some of the funny scenes that actually stood out for you with the lethal weapon movie just anyone <laughs> yeah just anyone <laughs> off the top okay um well that scene was funny in Lethal Weapon 1, where he's like, you got to jump, do it, do it, I'm crazy, blah, 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 oh my gosh. And I think that's when we got introduced to his dislocated shoulder that always pops in and out. Right. I was like, okay, <laughs> wow. And then in 2, I think that was when Murtaugh was on the toilet, right? Yep, and it was a bomb. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was that was scary. I think when I saw that as a kid, I was kind of afraid to get on the toilet. <laughs> I was like, what if somebody was a bomb here? And I got to jump in the bathtub. Oh, no. What am I going to do? I could see that. I was like, I know what to do now, people. I know yeah, what to do. It's, jump in the yes, bathtub. You, you will survive. Not <laughs> from Not. Wayne's World. <laughs> Check out that podcast episode. But according to, <laughs> right? but according to Lethal Weapon uh, Theory, you can actually survive. Yeah, it. you can. Yeah, and then they can put like um, liquid nitrine on the bomb and your partner can jump in the tub and pull you off. <laughs> and you both can survive and be saying, we too old for this shit. <laughs> I don't know, but you can definitely tell that the writers might have been smoking something or whatever. It's like, you know, it'd be an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Let's add them on the shitter. Yeah. You know what? That's that's not a bad idea, but what are we going to do? We're going to freeze it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. We're going to go freeze it, and then we're going to have rigs, man, yeah. and what we're going to do, man, we're going to go ahead and let them pull, that, pull them off the toilet. Man. Yeah, man. Oh, right. Let's put that in there. <laughs> yeah, that'll save them. Jump in the bathtub. <laughs> and then you know what though? I really like the fact that they actually put a put the Russians in there though, because it actually gives you something to be scared of. The Russians. Like, we're talking about like Soviet. Yeah, because we're talking about like Soviet Union military. In the second one. Yeah. That was the South Africans. No, because the second one we're dealing with Joe Pesci and all that stuff. Huh. Okay. I think it was the yeah. South Africans though. It was like some type of South African government or consulate. Yeah, that's well basically they're Russian though, I think. Oh. Because remember, this is actually the people that actually killed Riggs's wife. Mm. He ends up sleeping with the girl that oh yeah i remember that scene and the yeah. dog was like the dirty peeper like hey you guys yeah. you guys doing it still <laughs> oh <laughs> get back and in your his, hole 
<laughs> and just tilting his head watching yeah everything. that that was actually funny uh, it was kind of creepy when they were making out on the bed and then she's like oh it's a dog here he's like yeah don't mind me <laughs> just here to look like <laughs> 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 ew <laughs> right but the thing that I really liked about that though was the fact you know we're always wondering about what happened to Riggs's wife because they never really touched on that. And then they actually touch on it. And it's probably the most heartbreaking thing that we actually see Riggs go through. Because of the fact that he wants to be able to beat the crap out of him. Mm, and everything. Yeah. And basically, they can't be touched. They own the cops. And everything, I believe. And stuff like that. well, no, no, no. They can't be touched because of the political power. That's it. Yeah, that was that was real life. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's probably the most realistic thing that we'll probably end up seeing in the Lethal Weapon Two movie. That happened in Four as well. I think they couldn't right. really touch the um, touch Lee. Yeah, because it was like part of the Chinese government or some international affairs or laws or something like that. Right. But, you know, I love Joe Pesci's character and the second one. Because I remember the subway scene. The subway scene was my favorite part where they actually have to go and get him something to eat. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, they fuck you at the drive-thru. They, you think that they're going to go, you're going to wind up getting what you want. And guess what? They fuck you at the drive-thru. Yeah, and it's true. It's like, if you don't look in your bag, <laughs> Then you would leave <laughs> with and then chicken nuggets and you ask for a quarter pounder and you're like, where's chicken nuggets coming from? Exactly. And you know what? They actually messed up on my order, but in a good way. I asked for 20 pieces of chicken nuggets with a large sweeping and a large um, french fry. Mm -hmm. You know what they gave me? They gave me 20 pieces of, of chicken nuggets with Another 20 piece of chicken nuggets, which is 40 pieces, large french fries, and a drink. Wow. All for a box. I'm like, okay. So you were having a party over there or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what? I'm not even mad. I'm going to go. <laughs> I can only deal with 10 nuggets. I can't do 20. I found that out. Because <laughs> you're supposed to eat them like right then and there because McDonald's, they don't really have a good um preservative or whatever it is like once you get the fries you eat them quickly while they're hot and crunchy right. and then if you wait they're like limp and then you're like ew and even if you put it in the microwave it's like ugh. exactly it comes too soggy yeah and it does that too with the chicken nuggets you're like ugh. it's like i'm right. tasting paste fried paste exactly but, you know, Joe Pesci was right that they do screw you at the drive-thru. They will. They will. Everyone, check your bags before you leave the drive-thru window. And then also, too, he goes, we're going back. Martin and them go, no, we're not going back. Yeah. He's like, I don't eat tuna fish. And what was funny, I was eating a tuna fish sandwich when he said that. I was like, oh, I guess I should not eat this. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, another thing too was he goes my name is Leo Getz 
Get it? Because Leo gets what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, these are worse than the puns I post on Facebook. It was. Well, you guys are neck and neck. <laughs> really? I thought it was going better. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I accept you for who you are. <laughs> Why, thank you. I do appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, another thing, too, um, party goes, you know what? I'm going to take the small room since I'm the small guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wasn't the second one, too, when yeah, he yeah. came in um, Mel Gibson's um, house, like trailer, and started cleaning up? Yeah, he starts cleaning it up, cleaning up his house. He goes, where the fuck is my phone? Oh, here it is right here. I, he's like, it's a pigsty in here. How do you live like this? Get that dog out of here. I just vacuumed the rug. No. I'm like, what is going on? Why are you talking you to Lassie much, like that? You pretty much turned him into a nanny or a housewife. Yeah, I'm like, what is this guy's purpose again? He was supposed to get like, like he was like a witness or something like that, and they have to try and protect him. And he's like the worst witness that you can actually get. Yeah, I think he stole. He explained it at the breakfast table. Something about he stole money from one of those guys or the yeah. Russians or pocketed yeah, something like that. Yep. Oh, I thought. So, where does the South African come from? That's the third one. <laughs> That's the third one because I'm no, that's that the one. second one, right? No, I'm telling you, that's the third one. Because okay, think of it like this: the South African one, you're dealing with gang shooting, you're dealing with the bullets, and you're also, uh, you know, I'm talking about like we're talking about like the bullets that can actually go through uh, somebody's chest. Okay, the hollow point of bullets is what we're ta- what I'm talking about too. We're dealing with gang violence. Uh, we're also dealing with um, the hall po- uh, police brutalities and everything, too. But yeah, that's actually the third one. I'm reading online. It says South African smugglers find themselves being hounded and harassed by Riggs and Myrtle. Okay, so I was wrong. <laughs> Ignore what I was saying. Yes, ignore I, him. It's a Tamika show. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm just okay, kidding. So I'm, I'm just a guess. Nah, nah, you're actually, matter of fact, you're my co host. So. Yay, I got promoted. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Because I remember this one scene in Lethal Weapon 2. When Joe Pesci um, was trying to distract the banker or something like that in the South African consulate or whatever embassy. Um, and he brought out Murdoch. Yeah. And um, he was like, yeah, um, I have a friend. He's South African. Um and oh, yeah. uh yeah he's trying to just get back home can you help him and the guy was like yeah and then Murdoch come out that's right and he was like um uh there's an issue he was like what's the issue it's like you're black 
you can't be South African. I'm like, have you not seen Nelson Mandela? <laughs> don't understand that. <laughs> I didn't get that part. I was like, okay. I think it was just one of those things where people are just identifying with the fact that people are shocked that there's white people in Africa. Oh, that's a good kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're representing right there because you know not, when you think of Africa you don't think of like white people or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The first thing you think of is black people being in Africa. You know, it's like then all of a sudden you, you find out there's actually a white person white people in Africa, that's a whole different thing. So that's what I'm thinking. Oh. That could Does be. That it. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And then there were protesting signs like, you know, in the apartheid. Yep. Okay. You see, I and you know what? I always thought that they were Russians for some reason, but you know, but you know, I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but, you were wrong. <laughs> hey, at least I own it. I own up to it. <laughs> okay. Yes, but, real men and admit to their mistakes. Exactly. <laughs> Remember that, guys. <laughs> yes, please. It will save you lots of arguments. <laughs> but you know, if you re- you remember uh, the guy who played on the Mighty Ducks, the one who always made the the ice hockey skates and stuff like that. Mm, I think so. Actually, yeah, the little the old man. Yeah, that's actually him. Oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would never look at Mighty Ducks the same. It's like you killed Briggs's girlfriend. Yeah, you're evil. But well, then it's like. Okay, you got a South African accent, so you're maybe you're not. I don't know. I don't believe that's you. That may be somebody else. Right. It might have been just somebody else. It was just his twin brother. Yeah, it's your <laughs> evil twin brother. That's who it is. Yeah, because three right. was the one um, where the crooked cop, and then there was like the gangs, and his son was his son's friend. Um, was in a gang. Yep. And he was like, word. And his dad was like, what what does that mean? <laughs> what does what do you mean? word? What is he saying to me? <laughs> and then Briggs is saying he's in a gang. Yeah. <laughs> he's just brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, he's in a fucking gang, Rod. Yeah. You gotta do something with, with your son. Yeah, you have to protect him. This is not good. No, it's not. And he's in denial. He knows that he's in a gang. He knows what a gang means. But it's like you know, if your kid, if you if we had kids, he said, "Dad, I'm in a gang." You're in a what? What's a gang? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like, nah, my kids aren't in no gang. <laughs> and then you have that brutally honest friend that says he's in a gang. You gotta protect him. <laughs> yeah. You do. Otherwise, the streets will raise him. Exactly. Mm, Tupac for life. (laughs) All eyes on me. Yes. Yes. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, another thing, too, that I really liked about three was the fact, yeah, they're dealing with a lot of political issues. Because I'm thinking during that time, it came out like in 93 with that yes don't forget that might have been the time during the whole Rodney King thing too oh yeah that was 92 93 same same difference around that era yeah but you know you're dealing with that and then they actually put police brutality crooked cops 
gang violence. You had everything that was very political connected in a way, in a certain sense. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this can be incorporated in it, but gentrification, maybe? Because they were building up these new um, complexes. But it was off of, like, drug money or money to fund the um, illegal guns on the streets. Yep. And then Tyrone. (laughs) (laughs) I was like... Oh, that's the blackest name I ever heard. Exactly. Of. Tyrone, it'll be exactly. all right. I get exactly. your money. Right? And he's like, the, you know what? He sticks up like a sore thumb and everything in the police department. Yeah. I was like, this, this is just the craziest thing I ever seen. And I thought that was actually pretty funny. I'm like, you know, you got the guy who has like the blackest black name, like you say, and he sticks up like a sore thumb. It's like, Okay, who are we going to call? Well, let's see. We got Tyrone here. Yep, that's him. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Call him Tyrone. <laughs> call Tyrone. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and then that's when um, Mel Gibson's character meets the love of his life, who is a police officer as well, and she busts his balls, and they both compare how many times they got shot. Which turns into like hot, steamy sex. Don't forget the Three Stooges game. <laughs> yeah, first it, that was like you know foreplay. It's like, oh, you like Three Stooges too? Yeah. It's like I got it's shot. Like, I was like, oh boy, I see where this is going. I'm like, Don't oh boy, too, his shirt came too. off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah I got the car too. Yeah. Watch. <laughs> Uh, I see why Mel Gibson was like the sexiest man alive back then. Like that mullet was everything. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's like your drunk uncle that you don't want to invite. I still like Mel Gibson. You know, he's like this old rugged man. But he, he can still do his movies. He still does like cop movies and movies about vengeance and killing people. Let's see here. Another thing, remember the other part too? He wa- he wanted to uh, actually stop smoking and everything in part three. Oh, yes. And, and so he went from eating uh, dog treats to eating onions. <laughs> and I thought that was actually pretty funny. Forget the patch. Forget about everything. Let's give you dog treats. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> exactly. And that's how he uh, calmed that rock, Rottweiler. Yeah. You know, he put the dog treat in his mouth. And I was like, okay, where's this going? <laughs> and then um, another thing, too, was the hobby room that I was mentioning before mm-hmm. with the gun, um, with the nail guns yes. and everything. He goes, well, all you need now is a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And and he basically killed all the bad guys in that hobby room. Yeah, that was my favorite part when um, he shot the guy with the nail gun in the chest. And then he, like, suffocated in that plastic. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of Dexter a little bit. Mm, Dexter. Yeah, that's another episode. <laughs> right. But, you know, I thought it was actually, per- I thought 
uh, the third one was really good. And not only that, but the police chase scene was actually pretty funny at the very beginning. Is where you had um, Murtaugh and uh, Mel Gibson chasing down this bad guy in the mo- you know, with the money. Remember, in the uh, there's this co- security cop and everything, and Murtaugh's in the truck. With oh her. yeah, then she had a crush on him, and came to his office yeah. with chocolates and flowers, and say the jelly to my roll. I was like, okay, <laughs> you're the jelly to my roll, oh. and then. Mel Gibson, of course, he goes, hey, so and so came came over. She just wanted to let you know that you're the jelly to her role. <laughs> He's like, you gotta stop leading her on, man. He's like, I'm not. <laughs> What's your wife gonna say about that? <laughs> and then also, too, wasn't that also the part where his daughter was in a trophy? I was commercial? just about to bring that up. I'm not sure if that was two or three, but um, yeah. That was interesting. You know, she was running on the beach. He's like, yeah, be quiet, everybody. Shh, be quiet. And then the, the family, that's when the family announced, we're not eating tuna fish or fish products because they kill whales. He was like, what? <laughs> and then she's running on the beach and then he's like, mm, yeah, when I want to feel safe, I wear Trojan condoms. She was like, yeah, because that's my man. <laughs> I was like, ooh. That's awkward. Yikes. And then the guy that was fixing his hobby room was like, makes me want to buy rubbers. And Mel was actually <laughs> trying to help the situation. <laughs> hey, buddy, yeah. Uh, doesn't that commercial make you want to buy rubbers? He goes, hell yeah. That's, I, that's, that's what it wanted me to do. I wanted to buy some rubbers right now. That was my daughter. <laughs> I'd be proud because she is helping promote safe sex. Exactly, but back then though, oh yeah, she might as well, she might as well just do porn. Yeah, at that at that level because of how strict Murtaugh was on her. Yes, and then she got pregnant anyway. So, (laughs) right. Oops. Uh oh. (laughs) Spaghettios. But then the. Then the fourth one comes out a couple of years later. Yeah, I noticed that gap in it because the third one was was that ninety three? You said yeah, ninety three. And the and then ninety fourth one was like ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety eight. Yep. So yeah, but Jet Li <laughs> in gap. there in that was really good. That was really refreshing to see some like kung fu moves. Right, and someone that can actually challenge Riggs, especially whenever he's into the whole Kung Fu yes. thing, and give him a run for his money, which is something that I've been wanting to see from a Lethal Weapon movie. Because all the three characters that we actually were faced with, they were not, they were very one-dimensional characters. Jet Li, on the other hand, had some layers to his character that I really liked. Yeah, you know? yeah, I do know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he didn't really have much dialogue in the movie, but he he was there to actually pretty much just to kick Mel Gibson's ass the whole movie and give him a run for his money. And that's something that needed to be done. I feel like, you know, yeah, Mel Gibson got uh, downed in, in the second one, uh, having a cement block tied down and got, went into the ocean with the girl that he loved and everything. And we saw, his, saw him get his ass kicked a bunch of times. 
but not on the level of what Jet Li did. Yeah, Jet Li did not need to say much because just looking at him, I wanted to go hide in a corner or a closet somewhere. I'm like, I know this guy can kick my ass just by looking at me with his beads in his hands. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, okay, I'm just going to lay here and play dead. You can go on and pray over me. Yeah, you know what? I just do you the favor. I just twist my own neck. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) But I also like the fact, too, they actually had Chris Rock in it and Joe Pesci, and they bounced off each other very well. Yeah, it was like the white Chris Rock. Because they were talking about like how the phone company cheats you or something like that. And then also, too, he asked Joe Pesci how he got those quad marks on him. He goes, look, man, all you got to do is say no means no. <laughs> you don't have to keep on going. <laughs> he goes, man, fuck you. He goes, fuck you. I got a gun. What do you have? I have a gun, too. I got a badge. I got a badge, too. Chris Rock. The whole time, right? (laughs) I thought that was perfect to have him as a cop. Yeah, and putting uh, putting them together. Yeah, that was good. I mean, when I first saw it, I was I was like, okay, this guy seems to be around a lot. I didn't really know his uh, relationship with Murtaugh. Um, until we found out that him and the daughter are secretly married and they're having a baby. <laughs> and there's the oops. <laughs> like double oops. Like I, I tell you, that you condom know? commercial did not work. <laughs> nope. Well, she was after it for a little bit. Sure. Know, from 93 to 97. Sure. Okay. That's we don't know what she was gap. doing in between the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know another part too that was actually pretty funny was the part where they get the Chinese guy high on laughing gas I remember that yeah that whole scene you know it was, it was about immigration and um, I forgot the guy's name that Murdoch um, housed like his, him and his family in their house. Do you remember that? He had like the like the Chinese family in his house. And they were there I remember the illegally. Chinese family. But yeah, I forgot his name. But when that guy died, I was really sad. I, I know I remember the family and everything. I do remember that. That was a sad and brutal scene with that because that actually did tear tear me up on my heart screen. Yeah, but some of lethal weapons um scenes um especially when they were in the <laughs> they were in the house and they set it on fire and everybody was tied up. Right. I was legit <laughs> oh, scared. I was like, how are they gonna get out of this one? And then the kid pop in with right? his kindergarten seals. I was like, no, come on. You could do better than that with your kindergarten scissors. <laughs> that was hilarious, though. I mean, looking back on it now, that was cheesy hilarious. Yeah, and the scissors freed everyone. Right? It's like, I got this, people. I, I got, got this. this. I got my kindergarten scissors. <laughs> I free you. What yeah. the blue? <laughs> <laughs> but 
Wait, you know what else though? And I forgot to mention this on part for part three. Joe Pesci was actually a real estate agent in that movie. Oh, who was trying to sell Murtaugh's home? That's right. And he goes, "Yeah, you know, we had a few little accidents. We had a car that actually went through the window. That was mm-hmm. from the first movie with uh, Gary Busey." And then he goes, "Yeah, and then you know, we had a bomb that went off mm-hmm. upstairs." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we had some other guy over here that. Murtaugh's trying to tell him to shut up. Yeah, that house was cursed. I tell you. <laughs> it was. I, I would not feel safe being in his family. I'm like, oh boy, what's going to happen this time? But then Joe Pitcher goes, but it's a great neighborhood. It looked like a great neighborhood. Just that one house was cursed. Right. <laughs> right? It seems like nobody touched anybody else's house. It was just Murtaugh's yeah. house. Yeah. Well, you know, he asked for it. He should have retired. (laughs) Well, it was also Riggs who didn't want to retire. He goes, hey, Riggs, you're going to miss this. Not not Riggs, but Murtaugh. You're going to miss this. What? You know. (laughs) And that's also in part three where they're actually trying to play the bomb squad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We should. He goes. Now nah, we we got this. We we can go in here and yeah. this bomb. Yeah, totally. We got this. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden he goes, "Hey, um, Martha. Yeah. Um, how many minutes do, you, do we have? What? Well, the bomb's about to go off in like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, they're running and they rescue the cat out. Of oh the- yeah, yeah. Ooh, there's but, a lot of explosions in all those movies. There is. I will, you know, I hate to know how much they actually spent their budget on just explosions. Don't get me wrong, Michael Bay is the king mm, of... Pre-Michael uh, Bay. <laughs> right. But, you know, I thought that the explosions and stuff like that was actually necessary for that kind of flick, you know, for it to be an action movie. But, let's see here, with part four... Remember, they actually had the flamethrower guy at the very beginning. That did not make any sense. I was like, is this a Marvel movie? What's going on here? <laughs> Get this. I actually remember watching Entertainment Tonight. I remember that, too. Back before they started doing yeah. the whole entire... Yeah. You remember that? And they actually had that scene behind the scenes. Yeah, because they, the... well, they talked to Jet Li, too, and asked about his role right. in the movie. And I know they were saying this is the last movie, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, no, it's sad. Right, because we ended up following them. Well, we didn't follow them since 1987. But because I wasn't born, I was, well, I was born. I was born in 85. But yeah, you followed them. You know, I wasn't (laughs) like, right. But I mean, not until like my dad, but not my dad, but my grandfather rented the very first on well, the second Lethal Weapon movie and him and I were watching it together. I was like maybe seven or eight years old watching a Lethal Weapon mm. 2 movie. Was it at Blockbuster? <laughs> Did you go to Blockbuster to... You know it. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually owned the movie. We actually winded up buying the movie and owning oh, it. Yeah, actually like a couple hours ago... <laughs> I actually found I found like the Lethal Weapon four part collection from Best Buy for like ten bucks. Of course, and I was like, "Thanks, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for my check. Exactly. This is what I'm doing with it." Oh, 
spinning any yes. way you want. Yeah, <laughs> <Lisa> weapon. <laughs> okay. I see this is not what I had in mind. <laughs> but you know, I'm stimulating um, the economy. Well, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> With some lethal weapons. Some yes, give it to me. A car going through yes. <laughs> But uh, what else did you like about part four? Oh, well, he had Murtoff in the beginning um, go out with his underwear and act like a chicken. And I was like, what that is that supposed to do? <laughs> Confused the hell out of Yeah, and then he shot the flame uh, blower guy. And there was one explosion. And then there was another explosion, and I was like, whoa, so many explosions going on. <laughs> right, because it was a chain reaction with the car. Yes, it was. Because remember, he shoots the back of the tank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what caused it to go. Yeah, and the gas down. station, seven, six, 76. <laughs> mm, yep, rest in peace. <laughs> I feel bad for the gas station. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully he called out sick that day. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they uh, evacuated him before all that stuff. I always out. wonder with those movies how they're always in like a downtown area and there's explosions and shootings. I'm like, who is going to clean up this mess? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and then we get taxed. Got it. Boom. Got right. it. Thank you. <laughs> because. Remember that movie with Tommy Lee Jones called Blow yes. Away? That was actually filmed in Boston. As a matter of fact, the explosion was so bad that they actually had to repair my grandmother's oh. house with the pipes. Ah. So yeah, Hollywood actually had to pay for them to fix the pipes. I know in Die Hard, which I hope we have another podcast episode on that. We're definitely going to talk you, about that. because I have the collection. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Christmas movie, but we'll talk about that later. It but is. But anyway, um, in the first Die Hard, I know that that was a, um, I think that was a, that building, people were working in it, like on the bottom floor. Yep. But they were still renovating. Yeah. So they shot everything on yep. the first floor and the people at the bottom floor were like, oh, I'm sick of this. I think it was like lawyers or something. Yeah, it was It was lawyers and all, also too, they also said they were getting tired of the explosions. You had uh, yes. people calling the cops and everything. And I thought that was actually pretty funny because I did watch that. If you end up watching Netflix, there's actually... A thing where it says yes. the movies that made us, and it actually goes in in pretty much behind the scenes. On yes, everything. and you know this is like a segue, but um, oh, I forgot the guy's name. Hans? No, was it Hans? The German guy? Hans was yeah the, that guy. Uh, yeah. So when he was falling off the building, <laughs> it was actually like um like a little set they built and they were supposed to count off like one, two, three, but they counted off on like one, two, and then they pushed them. And that's where you got the surprise look on his face. Like it was supposed to do three. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out great though for that surprise yeah. look. 
Like he literally drops him. So I thought that yeah, was Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, but, uh, I miss Alec Brickman. You know, I do too. Alan mm, Brickman is just Rest great. in peace. Okay, back to Luther mm-hmm. Weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that's pretty much the standout stuff that I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about with Lethal Weapon. Yeah. You know, because that's actually some of the great stuff that I really enjoyed about Lethal Weapon was the cheesiness, the ridiculousness of the logic. Yeah. Yeah, I think we covered all the bases on Lethal Weapon. All right. Do you want to go ahead and talk about Tom Hardy? Yes, please. And thank you. (laughs) Okay. So what do you think about the trailer? I want to open it up. Oh, boy. Um, I like the trailer. I didn't know there was a trailer until you showed it to me. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. But yeah, I, you know, the history nerd I am. Because <laughs> the trailer opens up with him in Florida. And I did not, I didn't even know that he had a house in Miami. Um, yep. So yeah, that was, I don't know where I was. But anyway, <laughs> I looked up some nerdy history things, um, if you would like to know about them. So there's a website. Yeah. Um, it's called 93palm.com. And that is actually a website that gives you like an overview of his house, his mansion, which is still in existence today in Miami, of course. <laughs> So if you go to that website, you can read about all the rooms that are in there and how they're maintaining it and building it up. And I think at one point it was on the market, but um, I think that was in 2018, but I'm not sure. That's actually pretty interesting. You're going to have to send me a link for that. I will. And then if you go to visitflorida.com. They have some background on Al Cabone's mansion and the history of him being in Miami. And I'm pretty sure with this movie coming out, they're going to have a lot more, you know, about it. And maybe they'll increase tours if it is a tourist attraction. I'm not sure. It probably is. I think it might, I think it might be in everything. You never know, especially after this, if it's actually a success. Because I'm hoping that it's not like a straight-to-DVD thing like they did with Gotti with John DeVolta. Mm. Because that's the thing that I'm scared of. Yeah. But I know with what's going on now, a lot of movies are just going to streaming. So I'm not sure. when. Do you know when it opens? Like the movie? It actually opens next month on May 12th. cutting it short. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm saying, though, I'm hoping that this is not, like, one of those B-rated movies. Don't get me wrong. B-rated movies are great. But I'm hoping it's not on the same level. I don't know if you saw Yeah, I, I did. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's It was on Prime, I think I saw it. Okay. You see, I didn't care for Gotti that much. I liked aspects of it, but I didn't like it fully mm-hmm. like I wanted it to. I wanted to show more of his roughness. Mm. In his attitude, but I didn't get that from that one, and I really wanted them to pull from it. But with this Gaudy trailer, for me, I like I enjoyed the Gaudy trailer a lot. I like the fact that they're actually going into the IRS 
same thing because don't forget he got in in trouble with yes. IRS fraud, and that's actually the almost the end of his whole entire gangster career and everything. And that's where they're diving into. And I love that whole entire thing is they're diving into the end of his gangster career versus him being young, starting off young and going from that part and then going into it being at the very end where he actually has to go to jail. So I like that whole entire aspect where we're going to have that aspect. Yes, I feel like the Capone movie goes into that too. It's like Capone in retirement in Florida. Uh, The crazy scene was when he fell into the swamp. I don't know what that was. And he came face to face with an alligator or a crocodile. I don't know. And I was, was like, I that is because that's what that's crazy. Okay. <laughs> and I think that just might be just a little something that's over a, over the top a little bit, just to try. To yeah, I'm like, a bit we get it. He's in I'm Miami. Sure. You don't have to bring an alligator in here. <laughs> exactly. Because here's the thing: you're not gonna find. I don't think that you're gonna see Al Capone in a swamp with an alligator. No. No. Unless you're trying to run after somebody. That you're yes, to and that's where he buried the bodies. So why would he swim in that right. polluted water? Exactly. <laughs> it just that part didn't make sense to me. But what sold me it was number one, Tom Hardy mm-hmm. playing Al Capone, and the grittiness of him playing Al Capone. Because Tom Hardy's a great actor when you're yes. the right role. Yes, and he was in the um, gangster movie Legend, right? I didn't get to yeah. see that. Yeah. I actually okay. Owned that on yeah, Blu-ray. I'll go back and look at it to prepare me for gangster Tom Hardy. <laughs> All right, yeah, because I thought he did a. Here's the thing: I didn't like the movie as a whole, like I wanted mm-hmm. to for Legend. Because here's the thing, it turned more into like a love story. And don't get me wrong, I don't mind having gangsters falling in love with a girl and everything because they had that with Henry Hill with his wife in Goodfellas. But it didn't actually revolve around, you know, Helen and um, Henry that much. It revolved around the, his buddies, his gangster buddies. Yes. With. With Legend, on the other hand, you dealt with a little bit of his buddies, but it's more aimed towards him and his uh, girl, the girl that he's with. And I didn't really want it to primarily focus just on Yeah, that, that brings gangster and... movies down. <laughs> like You can have like 5% romance, but it better be some killing and dumping of bodies going on. Right, and also, too, a lot of dark... Yeah, of course. I mean, everyone's doing the formula of good fellas, so why not? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And then, also, too, I like the fact Tom Hardy did a fantastic job Mm, of playing his brother in this, too. And he actually kicks his own Mm. ass in the movie to the point where he's bloody. His nose is busted up, black guy, That's deep. We all fight ourselves. Thank you, yeah. Tom Hardy. <laughs> I could just see if he was married or whatever. He's like, so, rough day at work? Yeah. 
Yeah. I just kicked my own ass. Yeah, I'm like, mm, that's deep. <laughs> it was. But I have to say, Hardy's yes. a great actor. I'm yeah. sold on Al Capone. I'm but what else did you like with the trailer itself? Well, first, I did not know all that about Al Capone. And that's what made me go into that nerdy segment in the beginning. Right. <laughs> Looking at the background, like, what? Well, He's in you know Miami? And there was something about he buried money. Right? Well, didn't they mention that in the trailer? Like, he right. buried money either in his backyard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <clears throat> Yeah, he buried money in his own backyard. Mm. In case of anything. Mm. Yeah, it it looks like a great movie. Um hopefully we'll we'll be out of this whole quarantine episode we're in so that we can go see it in the movies. But if not, I wonder if they're just gonna push back the release date. If they do, they might actually push back the release date, but it looks like something that they might actually just release digitally. Because if you actually look at the track record for Black Mass, mm-hmm. which is a Johnny Depp film, it didn't really make that much money at the box office like they wanted to. Not only that, but it also got mixed reviews. So Gangster Films is not as big as they mm, once were. I like Black Mass. I thought Johnny Depp was creepy as hell. Um, he went over the top with the eyes. I don't think they eye color like that, but whatever. <laughs> no. But he did a Yeah, he gave me the creeps. Bullshit. So. <laughs> but public enemies, not so yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> why is that, you think? You think we're past the whole gangster culture? I don't think we're past the gangster uh, culture because back in 2006, when the party came out look how many people are still talking about i like that movie. Movie. I, myself included it depends on the direction and the writing and the style that they want to do it mm-hmm. and the context and the delivery that's all all of those things have to take shape in order for mm-hmm. it to be a great gangster yeah movie. and if you make a great gangster movie it's going to make bank at the box office it's going to mm-hmm. make people go out and see it Especially positive word of mouth. But if you're having a hard time with the dialogue, making the plot where it's primarily not focused on the gangsters themselves, if you cut away from what the gangsters are about, if you cut away and trying to terrorize them in a certain aspect, but also recognize the fact that they're gangsters and they're doing bad things, you're going to have issues because you're supposed to end up recognizing, hey, look, yes, we're rooting for the bad guy, but they're actually, you know what I'm saying? But they're evil. But if you're just rooting for the bad guy and there's no layers to them and there's no and there's just violence on top of it without it being necessary, you're not going to have. Yeah, you do have to kind of flesh out the script um, and think about locations, um, what time period you want to do. Is this a 1920 era? Is this, um, you know, like 1950, 1960s? Is this now, you know, um, like. Right. Um, the Irishman on Netflix, like that had like a yeah. chronological timeline, and then it talked about Jimmy Hoffa, 
which now in my head I'm trying to compare right. Jack Nicholson's Jimmy Hoffa to Al Pacino's. It's the which one? To see that. Um, so I can compare. I I can't compare Nicholson's I bits and pieces of it. I might have either that or I have a box <laughs> somewhere. I don't know. But, you know, Jimmy Hoffa was always a hot-headed person. And I felt like mm, Al Pacino actually yeah. after that. Yeah, we'll have to go review Jack Nicholson's Jimmy Hoffa because he can do hot-headed too. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Um. But that's all I wanted to talk about for the trailer review, but uh, yes, I have another nerdy fact. Um, <laughs> um, Al okay. Capone had a son. Um, he died in 2004 and he was 84, but he changed his name, like his last name. So, because he didn't want to be associated with his dad or want anybody to know who he was. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you know. You've seen all this stuff about your dad and he killed all these people. Yeah. I mean, my name would not be Jackson. It would be something else. <laughs> exactly. Because you want to get as far away from that mm. as possible. You know? Because, because that name will be tainted. And it will be carried with you for you, the rest of your life. Or the other spectrum is you'll be like mob wives. And they're like, oh yeah, my name's Victoria Gotti. Yep, that's right. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. the woman you must fear. And everything. And that's the reputation. Yeah, that or you can write a book. Have. You know, my dad killed people, so what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. My memoir. Coming to Barnes <laughs> my... and Nobles near you. Right. But, yeah, um... I didn't know that though. I didn't know that he actually changed Yeah, his I name read it on some article which I'll send to you. Cuz I didn't even know he had a son. Okay. See, this trailer has opened up so much for me. <laughs> You're welcome. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know Al Capone, you know, lived in Miami. Let me go check this. Oh wow, and it's like a rabbit hole. It's like, "Oh wow, what's going on here? Visit Florida." What? He had a son. Oh no. Um, another thing too was The Walking Dead. I know that we've been watching. Yes, a bit and Walking I know Dead. that. Let's see, it's t it may be toward the end of the season, so this may just be um, what it kind of like a recap for everyone else that's listening. Um, right, because we're watching. Yeah, and I got time. out of Walking Dead like season five. I took a hiatus because I felt like it was the same storyline. And I was just getting fatigued because I've been running around with these people since season one and we're still in the woods fighting zombies. So I needed a break. And I recently, with this whole quarantine situation, I thought, you know what? I get Walking Dead to try because it's kind of like I'm in a zombie apocalypse now. You know, like so why to be able to get that? Yes, I need to see a documentary spot. about what's going on. Let me watch Walking Dead. So, <laughs> so I, 
I was wondering where you got the idea of benching. Yes, it's it's a docu series. <laughs> so I I started from season five where I I left off, and then it just kept going. Thanks Netflix, because they have season one through nine. <laughs> then then you've been watching season ten on the AMC app, right? Right. As a matter of fact, you got me back into wa- watching The Walking Dead because I also took a break from The Walking Dead, and it wasn't about me being fatigued or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. some personal issues yeah. and stuff and things like that. So you actually helped me with mm-hmm. trying to get back yes. into watching it, <laughs> and I'm actually at a good place now mm-hmm. where yes, I very to good, <laughs> very good. You can PayPal me. I'm your therapist. Thank you. Okay, I'll definitely <laughs> do that. Okay. I'll go on ahead cash and put out. that through the money app after we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, cash app. You see, I knew that. Oh, okay, I just wanted sure. to see, see if you knew. Got it. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but what, here's the thing. With season 10, when the opening scene, the thing that I liked was when they go on the mm-hmm. beach for the training exercise, it reminded me of World War II. Yeah. Sense. Because of that the beach and had that dark kind of gray yeah, vibe yeah. Where, and also too I also like the little part where I think it was either Michonne or somebody was talking to Michonne I'm not sure but it's like are we the heroes mm. in somebody else's story or wow. are we the villains in somebody else's story and I'm like wow that is such an interesting twist because all this time We've been sharing this group of people on for like 10 years. And we never really questioned that. You know, especially when we look at all the people that they were faced against. Don't forget, the governor was actually mean as hell, but he was thinking of them as like mean, vicious people as well. And then you also have Rick that was thinking that he was also mean as well. That he was a yeah, bad yeah, guy. and once you see Negan, you're so, like Governor Who, <laughs> right? It makes those other characters look like just little, uh, like a nice bedtime yes. story. and that that's a good point, about. though. Um, you, because you know, like you said, we're following these characters, right? So we're on their side; they're the good guys to us. But when you get to Oceanside. I believe the the island with all the women because the men died. Yes, yeah, I love Wonder it. Woman so anyway, <laughs> when you get to the that scene and they're like invading their island and they're you know it's a it's a good reason in a sense like hey we need weapons so we can take on Negan and his crew. But you're invading somebody else's home, you know, and you're putting guns to their head right. and you're saying, we don't want to hurt you. We just want to steal your stuff. <laughs> yeah. And leave you defenseless on this island full of zombies. Exactly. And you're at that point where you're just as bad as when Nika yeah. is, if not worse. You know, it's like, okay, you want me to trust you. You have a gun to my head. You yeah. tell me I have no choice but to do Yeah. It. And I get the fact that you want, that you need help and everything, but we need help too. 
and we have to mm. come together and figure out a way to do it. But the way they were going about it the first go round was wrong. Yeah, I'll even own up. Yeah, it was wrong. <laughs> um, and then you had the whispers. Um, and I guess in a sense you can see that with them as well. Like they took um Alpha's daughter, and she just wants her daughter back. Right. But don't forget, though, too, Alpha also left yeah, the baby Alpha. I mean, baby. I'm not saying she's not evil. Because so, she is. But she still deserves a Mother's Day gift. Right. I'm just saying. It's Mother's Day <laughs> is coming up. <laughs> well, I hope that Michonne or somebody uh, slices mm, off her One less Mother's Day <laughs> gift. You're right. Mm. Right. <laughs> But, you know, I love the chemistry between the actor that played Opie and Anarchy. Yeah. yeah, we I never see his face. Really well with that. I mean, uh, uh, it, people that are watching it now, maybe something was revealed. Because we're just on episode, what, two, three? Three? Yeah. So I, right now. as far yeah. as I know, yeah. I've never seen his face. Even in the flashback scenes, he had like a a skull cap, right, over his face. And at that point, he's pretty much like Jason Voorhees, yes. who's trying to find his. Yes, identity. he's a tortured soul. Who wears his? Was that his son? That died. His son's face. Yeah, his son's uh... flesh face skin whatever you want to call it on his skin right yeah and you see i thought that it was like okay even in death you're gonna be oh and that's the connectivity Mm, yeah you went to the hallmark side of it i went to the ill oh my gosh that's creepy Well, mm-hmm. actually, I got grossed out with that a little bit, but at the same time, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let me think about this. <laughs> like, I always do this. I like, I get grossed out by something, but then I think about, it, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, son dies. It's just him and his son. We don't know anything else about him yet. So the closest thing that he has to home is his son. So it's like saying, okay, I'm gonna use my son face as protection but this is actually the closest thing that I have to home because I don't have my wife anymore if he had a wife my son and I were the only two people that were surviving so this is like the only thing that I have Mm. in remembrance of him it's kind of dark and twisted but that's the only thing that makes sense yeah it's still creepy but yeah it's fine (laughs) it is it's definitely (laughs) I hope one of my parents cut my face <laughs> off and wear it to remember me. <laughs> is that, that? Is that, that? Tamika? No, Tamika? Oh, yeah, that's her. I remember that. I remember that smile. <laughs> uh, this took her. Oh, this, this took a dark turn. Anyway, walking dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... You know, I just, and then also, too, Carol finally has her hair grown out. <laughs> and even though there was like, oh, my yeah, that, mm, I miss her short. It took hair. her 10 years. 
But, you know, since she got with Ezekiel, I understand, you know, she's got to grow her hair. She's got, she's in this hippie community. Well, all is well. But it's not well. <laughs> yeah. And then you kept exactly. telling me that Carol and Daryl are not going to get together. They're just friends. And I was like, that's not possible. Exactly. <laughs> or they're so close, you know, and they make friendship bracelets in the woods. Okay. Best friendship ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see exactly. by the end of this season if they're going to be just, just friends. Got oh, very good. <laughs> because Ezekiel was supposed to actually mm, die, I think, last wow. season or something, I think. Wow. I'm not 100% sure. See, that's how you do it. You give the producers a reason to keep you. Exactly. And then, uh, let's see, what else is there? I think. Then there's also the whole entire thing, too, where they actually have kids and everything as well with mm, Ezekiel. Yeah. She's a mother again. <laughs> yeah, that was season nine, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Henry, yeah that was like season nine. Prince Harry. Yeah. The dumbass. I blame Carol <laughs> and Ezekiel for that because he just I... seems so naive and is so trusting. And somebody's like, here, why don't you fall in this hole? Okay, nothing bad can happen to me here. Like, that's your son. You're supposed to prepare him for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Right, you're supposed to prepare him for the worst. But instead, you're protecting him and everything. It's like the mother who wants to protect her baby cub and pretend that everything's okay and everything and being mm, white picket yeah, fences and Kara and no everything else. I mean, she's lived it for a long time. Exactly. Because she's been through it all. I mean, between Terminus, yeah, between the governor. Yeah, she had an abusive husband and now she has to deal with zombies for the rest of her life. And now she has this new husband who they're separated. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know if divorce is possible in this world. I think all logic, mm. all laws is now done. <laughs> there is no... I think even Rick pointed that out too. I think. Where, like, our world is totally Yeah, because I guess technically him and Michonne would be kind of married. And she yeah. adopted his daughter, Judah, without adoption papers, because there yep. are none, because there are new rules. Okay, got it. Yep, there's no <laughs> rules, there's nothing. I'm still sad, like, if we're, tr if we're going back, um... If we're going right. back into we're going it, back into it. Um, 
I'm still sad that Coral or Carl is dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still sad. Yeah. And that is, that was. But you know, though, I, I really like the way that he went out, though. He went out like a champ. You know? Because of the fact that he said goodbye to everybody that he wanted to say goodbye to. He sa- he saved somebody else and sacrificed himself for mm. somebody else. No. You know? And Negan took it no. hard, though, too. Listen. <laughs> he had, like, the longest turning scene I've ever seen. He got to play with Judah, got to say his goodbyes. Nobody else got that. They just <laughs> instantly died. They didn't get to say goodbye. They didn't get to put like fingerprints in the sand and skip in the road and eat ice cream. They just died. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and he didn't get right but you know I, I thought it was good though the it way was it, beautiful. Uh, he was it able was. to do everything that he it wanted to do yeah it was it was yes. really beautiful you know there's the controversy if he left the show on his own or was fired I think he was at, he left the mm. show because he needed to go back Waste. to school, but that was the real thing. I told you about my feelings about it. Who told you to go get an education? You were right. supposed to be on The Walking Dead. <laughs> exactly, because I know if I was his no. age, I wouldn't want to go to yeah. school, especially acting for 10 years, and then Having to go and no. be readapted into learning again? No. Yes. I would choose. Yes, don't go over to school. school. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Save your money. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> Let's see. And then um, I think. Is that all the points that you want yeah, to make that, with The Walking Dead? This would it? have to be a second part to this episode if we're going to go back to other right. episodes. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that pretty much covers. Yes. Oh, I wanted to say one what thing. I to going cover. back to Capone. Um, so I've been going okay. back into yeah. Boardwalk Empire and Stephen Graham. His compone mm-hmm. is a younger version, you know, like him coming up in the ranks and being the chauffeur right. and becoming Al Capone. So I was wondering, uh, were there movies about Al Capone in his later years? Or is this the first one? There's, I think this is the last. This is the um. This is like the only one because don't forget, and... Nero also played Al Capone. Uh, oh. it was him and Sean Connery. Interesting. And um, oh, it was the Untouchables. Yes. Where is Sean Connery anyway? Since we're on that. Mm-hmm. 
he after his box office bomb mm-hmm. with the no. one of his movies, he retired. I kind of miss him now. Yeah, he's probably like herding sheep in the Scottish pasture. Mm. Yeah, mm, with his kilt blowing in <laughs> the wind. Looking over the field. Yeah, I got it. Mm, retirement. Right. Mm. That's all I had. <laughs> but same here. So I just oh yeah, say thanks for having me. And everything. Oh, anytime. We're definitely going to end up doing this again. Matter of fact, there are some other topics okay, to talk about, but I want to probably save that for tomorrow. Oh, sweet. Because I want to make this at least a two-part. I didn't know that. Surprise. (laughs) So I want to break this into two parts. Yeah. Because I want to do the Spawn News, but I also want to talk about the movie theaters. Okay. There's other stuff that I want to talk about. Yeah, sure. So if you want to join me tomorrow, we'll do that. Okay. Well, and this is not going to be published. I guess I can wait. (laughs) So I'm saving the flavor. Okay. But anyways, I just want to say thank you again. And this is John DeGorio for Movie Lovers Unite. Goodbye. And goodbye. I want to say goodbye to everyone too, Tamika. All right. Bye. <laughs> All right. And until next time. Hey, Tamika. Hey. How you doing this morning? I'm up. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I got some coffee. I'm good to go. <laughs> yes. Good. I got my coffee too. All right. Awesome. So... This is actually going to be part two of our discussion from last night. So I'm going to go in here and introduce the show, and then you can introduce yourself again, and then we'll go on ahead and get on with it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I have Tamika again with me. This is actually part two from last night's discussion. We didn't have time or anything like that to actually finish up the discussion that we wanted to talk about. So we're going to be talking about Todd McFarlane with the Spawn News that that dropped over the week and then we're also going to be talking about comic-con being there's wanting to open july 15th and then there's also a jesse eisenberg uh story that dropped about the snyder's cut that i want to talk about so yeah (laughs) so this is going to be a sweaty episode (laughs) i hate when you say that (laughs) (laughs) this is going to be one of those super sweaty uh, all the sweatiness that's going to be coming off of this episode. This no. is going to be a super sweaty, nerdy, no. geek out episode. Unacceptable. No. What? <laughs> Come on. You, you know you want to get sweaty to me. Uh, so, no. That's, okay. I don't know what podcast this is anymore. Come on. Just think about uh, working out with Richard Simmons or something like that where you're sweating to the oldies, but you're sweating. No, it's Jane Fonda. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> my bad how rude jeez <laughs> okay i just gotta get with the program yes please and thank you <laughs> but anyways um thank you for putting up my shen- shenanigans yeah thanks for having me and my shenanigans <laughs> on your show and i'm sorry to your listeners in advance <laughs> <laughs> but anyways you were uh saying some stuff about todd mclaurin Yes, I found, uh, I did my homework. You should be proud of me. I am. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so on uh, moviegasm.com, this is a YouTube channel. It was from September 2019. 
where Tom and Farland was saying that Spawn, the new Spawn reboot, was not going to be a superhero movie. And because he made the mistake of appealing to both audiences, like children and adults, and he, I guess his focus was to be a blockbuster film back then in the 90s. Yeah, he wanted, that was his primary goal was to make it a blockbuster film. Don't forget, though, too, this is like in 97, I believe, that's yes. the very first one. So, basically, we were on the dawn of actually having comic book movies in a certain sense, but don't forget, though, too, people also didn't want to take a chance be- on comic book movies, too, because of Batman and Robin. Mm, yeah, that is true. You're right, the the um, atmosphere back then, which feels like yesterday, <laughs> right. the atmosphere back then was so long ago. Um, the main focus was blockbuster films and selling toys and merchandise. So, yeah, I, I don't know how anyone thought Spawn would be in that lane because it's very dark. <laughs> right. Well, you do know they have some Spawn action figures. I remember seeing them back in Toys R Us. And they also came with like a Spawn comic book. Uh, yes. And I guess that's why John Leguizamos was in it. I guess to add some type of comic fun relief for the kids. But that came across more creepy. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it though. I mean, I mean, I like John Legos almost. He's not one of my favorite comedians, but it was still creepy. I can see it from a kid's perspective though, because he did play the clown really creepy. It was like it was creepy, but in a good way because he actually did add in a little bit of that humor to it. Yeah, I'm wondering was this after the movie Pest? Have you seen that movie? Oh, I love The Pest. The Pest is one of my favorite John Lugazama movies. It was like Pest, but Spawn. I agree. I can actually see aspect of The Pest. Yeah, especially that part um, where he was in the cheerleader outfit at the grave site. And he was like, Spawn, Spawn, he's our man. No one do it. No one can. (laughs) I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Don't forget the actual clown outfit that he actually wore, too. Yeah, I think I remember part. seeing that on um where we last night we talked about um seeing Lethal Weapon Four, like the right. the um background or the story about it from E. T. back then. Yeah. I feel like I've seen it on E. T. where they were talking about Spawn and Michael Jai White really? was interviewing. I remember seeing some type of interview about Spawn and John Legos almost was talking about how heavy the clown outfit was. Yeah, he actually had to get down on his knees and practically walk or mm-hmm. have someone on a with a dolly or something. You know, you have one of those other dollies where you can actually put something on and you can just wheel it. Not like uh, a red dolly or anything like that, but it's one of those cargo dollies. Mm-hmm. So it was like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Eddie Murphy's a little bit more comfortable because he was only in a wheelchair for a few minutes, opposed to a whole movie. (laughs) They picked him up and he's like, I can walk. (laughs) (laughs) It's a miracle. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) That was hilarious. I love that movie. Me too. But you are right, though. The Pest did come out in 97. Oh, okay. 
So it did have that little flavor of the pest. Mm, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but what else did you discover? I mean, I know that I I remember reading articles and everything here and there. Uh, and everything before I made this podcast. But Well, from the continuation of the 2019 um, movie Gasm, they were saying that Spawn wouldn't be the central character, but it will follow the point of view of two, I guess, random people that encounter Spawn. And it won't be an origin story, which I feel like that would be a mistake in a sense, because not everyone knows about Spawn as much as they know about Joker, you know, or maybe Deadpool. And even Deadpool had an origin story in a sense. Right. And that's actually kind of ballsy, but also kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of, it's also risky. Like I said, it's ballsy and risky. And for them to do that, like you said, not that many people are familiar with Spawn or anything like that. So, and then they are also doing it in the perspective of some other people that actually come across Spawn. So I'm wondering if they're just going by just these two people's perspectives, if they're just watching Spawn do his thing. And there's no origin story to actual to spawn or anything like that, but I don't know how they would actually do that. Yeah, because McFarlane is writing and directing for the first time, um, so I'm I'm assuming in his mind he thinks, oh, this you know everybody knows about Spawn. Everyone has saw the Spawn 1997. Um, movie so I don't have to do the origin story anymore I can just pick up where it was like the Joker or something but even the Joker kind of had an origin story well he has many origin stories but even in a sense I feel like unless you really know the character like Batman you can just do it from you know like Batman's Robin's um, Batman's stopping robbers like you don't have to do an origin story right. with him because it's been done a hundred times but with Spawn exactly. it was only done once right and not only that but Spawn comes here and there on DirecTV it also comes on Netflix every once in a blue moon so some people may be familiar with it some people may not be it's either one of those movies that you either get it whenever it's on your DirecTV or if it's on your streaming service and as soon as it's there, it's removed within maybe a next month or so. Yeah. So it used to be a HBO like short series uh, with Keith David, who is amazing. <laughs> he voiced Spawn, but um, other than that, I I don't know. I feel like the audience may be a, a bit lost if they don't know about Spawn. So it's, I totally agree. With it's that. risky. But we'll see what happens. I agree with that, too. Because, like you said, there's different origin stories to the Joker. And there's only one origin story to Spawn. And if they don't get that origin story, they're just going to see a guy, well, this element, that's just going to be fighting crime and doing different things. And they're going to be confused on what's going on within the story itself. Yeah, right. Right, so I I don't know, but I uh, update because <laughs> I had to give you the news from last year and the news from this year. Right. So, um, oh, go ahead. There's one more thing. Yeah. There's one more thing I wanted to add though to that. Um, 
thing as well. But Todd, I, I get worried whenever I hear about director, like people that are actually comic book writers and stuff like that, directing a movie for a first time, especially when it's their property and everything, because their job is to entertain us within the pages themselves. Mm. So they were so they're able to do things from the front cover to the very back cover. And you can do a lot more with a comic book than you can with a movie. And it's to me, they just need to go in ahead and get another director to direct it. But he can write. I'm okay with him writing. It's just the directing is what I'm worried about. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's kind of different when you're in a comic book. You know, like every scene is kind of like cut, like edited in a sense. And you flip the right. page, you flip the page. Um I'm wondering how he will do as with directing, like translating it from paper, from the comics to the film. Because you, I mean, that's what happened with um, Watchmen. You see how exactly. hard that was to make that into a film. It was, but... They, they did a, but Snyder did an excellent job with it. Like aside from the ending and everything, it it was like straight up just reading a comic book. Yeah, because I got the comic book feel for it, and not only that, but if you read the graphic novel, it's actually from cover to cover with that. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't know if you read the comic book or not, or the graphic novel. I didn't finish it. I'm sorry, listeners, but yeah. I have it on my bookshelf. <laughs> And as soon as finals are over with, that's going to be my reading for summer. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it actually goes hand in hand with the movie. It's actually the only thing that's not in there is where the kid is actually reading the comic book from the comic book stand. And he's escaping his the realism of what's going on around him, which is the mm -hmm. war. That's the only thing that's not that's not in the movie. And, uh, and also to the main antagonist as well, the way they actually decided to end it. And the movie is totally different from what the comic book actually is. So that's the only two differences that I saw, but it's actually the same thing from cover to cover, just like a comic book. But with Todd doing it and everything, it makes me worried because of the fact that we had Snyder that directed that. No, uh, the comic, comic book writer did not direct that mm. movie. Another director did. So for him to step in and say, hey, look, I know the property. I know what I want to do with it, and I'm going to direct it and write it. It makes me kind of weary. It makes me kind of worried about it. But we're just going to have to wait and see what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hope it goes well. <laughs> I agree. So what else did you – I know that this is the part where you're going to give us the update on it. Yeah. It's from the same moviegasm.com on YouTube. Uh, McFarlane – has hope now since you know we had the release of Deadpool and Joker he kind of is more hopeful that Spawn would do well since you had those two characters and with the last news I forgot to mention it was unrated but with this this um, present news it's going to be rated R so it, it officially has a rating that, that makes me excited that it's rated R because I it actually suits the character. As long as it suits the character and it's not there just for the simple fact that it's there for being rated R, I'm fine with it. That's like the Joker. He's at, His story is dark, it's gritty. That's who the Joker is. 
And for them to have make him a rated R character, I'm fine with that same thing with Deadpool. I was fine with him being rated R as well. Because those comics are not for kids either. But, you know, I'm fine with it being rated R. Because it actually suits the character. For it just to be in there for the sake of being rated R and everything doesn't do anything for me. You know? Yeah, I remember the small controversy or whatever it was with Deadpool coming out and the parents were like, this isn't for kids. This is supposed to be a Marvel right. movie. It's like, yeah, it's rated R. <laughs> right, but they also forget, you know, because we, we're in the known for all yes. this. We, we're the ones who knows this stuff. For the average moviegoer, they don't know this or anything like that. They see the Marvel logo and they automatically assume it's safe for their kids. And they forget and they don't know this. But Sony, not, not Sony, but Fox, owns the rights to Deadpool at that time. So they were able to make it radar. So they see the Marvel logo, the first thing they think of is Marvel Disney. Mm. And having that kind of tone. Because that's just the, uh, the way the average moviegoer looks at things. They don't pay attention to the movie news articles like we do. They don't pay attention to anything. All they want to do is sit there and enjoy a good movie. Yeah, I think I saw some kids, too, when I went to see Deadpool in the theaters. And I was like, what is going on? You know, as a matter of fact, the person that I was with, I was like, let's go on ahead and do a bet on how many parents actually walk out of this movie. What was the result? Only one person walked out of the movie. Oh, yes. Kids have to grow up sometime. Exactly. <laughs> and getting exposed to Deadpool is exactly the right way to grow yes, up. Yes, yes. I was exposed <laughs> to the basic instinct at 10. Because <laughs> oh, my dad was babysitting me. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? What is this? <laughs> Why is she doing that? Why is her legs open? What, what's going what on is going on right now? <laughs> I don't get this, but okay, I feel like I'm becoming a woman. <laughs> Even though I don't know what I don't know about, what's going I don't on. Know I didn't know this woman's crazy and she opens her legs. I don't know. <laughs> right. All you remember is Michelle Pfeiffer's tight dress and her opening up her legs to see her her yeah. beaver. Sharon that's Stone. About yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I meant, Sharon Stone. But you know, what else do you think about this whole entire thing with uh Spawn though? Um, an uh, article that I found uh, is from vitalthrills.com and it was from last week. Um, so Jamie Foxx is still confirmed to play the role of Spawn. Um, I'm not quite sure if Jeremy Renner is still in as Twitch the detective. That, was, that, that part was kind of uh, murky for me. Right. I'm sold on uh, Jamie Foxx being in it. I think he'll actually do a good job at playing Spawn. Okay. I still miss you Michael Jai White. <laughs> I do too, but as far as I'm... This is what I heard a couple of years ago, though. I think he's going to be in the film in some way or fashion mm. as a cameo, oh. but uh, but as for the Spawn character himself, no. I feel like... <laughs> Michael Jai White should be back in this reboot so he can have redemption. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I like Spawn for what it was for the 1997 flavor and everything else that we had. 
but it wasn't the spawn that we deserved. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I like the movie. Um, but then again, I wasn't that big into comics, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, I was into comic books, but I never picked up a Spawn comic. I was always into like the Marvel and the DC stuff. And when I saw the toys, it just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't gravitate towards it when I was mm. a kid and everything. So it didn't do anything for me. It was in 97. I was like maybe, I want to say I was maybe 11, maybe 12 years old mm-hmm. at the time. And it just didn't gravitate towards me. And the Marvel and DC stuff always did. Mm. That was my stuff. But, you know, Image Comics and Dark Horse and all that stuff, I didn't even realize that was even around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because McFarlane founded Image, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my concern. Not where he founded Image. <laughs> but my con- <laughs> my concern <laughs> with that was what you just said. Like, you didn't know that much about Spawn. And he wants right. to not do this as an origin story. Uh, my concern is that the audience will be kind of lost, you know, because you have to have some form of an origin story, even if it's like a flashback or something. Well, what if they did this? And this is me thinking coming okay. off the cuff. We're right in the movie. Go. Okay. Okay. So Jeremy mm-hmm. Renner is supposed to be playing yes. the detective, right? What if he had pictures of of Jamie Foxx and everything being burned and everything else and also have pictures of Spawn and it kind of told us the origin story through the pictures or some type of detective work that he actually had to do and that's how we were introduced into the world of Spawn mm. without the actual origin story because don't forget Guardians of the Galaxy didn't have an origin story mm. yeah they actually told us the story with the characters mm. yeah that's true so that's a thing that they could probably do. What do I don't you think? know. I I feel like Spawn's um, transformation is so powerful, just like Lady Death, which I hope they make a movie out of her. She's one of my favorites. Yeah, I love Lady Death. But um, like him going to hell, I feel like that's very powerful. Um, but I don't know how the detective can depict that. Like, did he take a picture of him in hell and say? Hmm, he went to hell. Let's see why. <laughs> Maybe they got Kiki to go with them. Yeah, there's live streaming like in hell. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, coming, coming from you in hell, live hmm. stream. Now, why oh, did no. he go to hell? Let's see. <laughs> right? Not unless they're going to change that aspect as well, but I don't know what Todd is going to be doing. But I'm interested to see how this thing actually unfolds as we find out throughout the next couple of months. Yeah, I so. feel like it'd be impossible because he he got burned in hell, right? From what I'm remembering. Well, if you remember, though, in the movie, he was actually burned to death. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember? He was actually mm, burned that's to death. Right. So when he gets... Right. So that was the most painful thing, experience that he actually experienced. And the most horrific, horrifying thing was him being sent mm-hmm. to hell. Mm-hmm. So there's that shock value of like, okay, I did this, this, and this, but now I'm being sentenced to hell after doing what I was doing and everything and trying to do something right, and I'm still sentenced mm. to hell. So and the most horrific thing of <clears throat> dying for him was going to hell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can you give like That's a quick background I... on Spawn? 
basically it's just about this guy who's in the military does this government um secret mission and then he winds up finding out his corporation is doing some really shady stuff and then the company finds out that he's investigating it and then that's when they go on ahead and put an end to him or they think they did and then he gets sentenced to hell and then the devil tells him that he can grant him a full army to take down uh, that organization but the devil's also playing the the government as well, mm. I believe. So you have it on both ends where the, he's playing the playing them both. Because don't forget mm-hmm. chaos. Yeah, is so it's like Lady Death at Spawn, but in reverse, but with military. Right. Except she right. was a witch who was burned at the stake, and then she went to hell. And then she got transformed right. into Lady Death, as we know her. Mm. Yep. I still want a Lady Death movie. I'm trying to figure out I how we too. can get this started. Think... <laughs> Who do we have to write? Do we have to write Deadpool. our congressman? I don't know. Deadpool. Deadpool? Yeah, because Lady Death, I believe, uh, appeared and a couple of mm. Deadpool comics. Awesome. Yes. We need to write them and say, excuse me, fellas. I know you're kind of, kind of busy, but can you put Lady Death in the next Deadpool film? Thank you. I think. <laughs> I'm, not 100%, I'm not 100% sure on that. No, I'm thinking of a different one. Okay, I'm different. I'm thinking of a different comic. Right. I'm sorry. But I don't know how we would actually introduce Lady Death. But I would like to. I would actually see that. I would actually like to see. Yeah, that movie. me too. There was the, the um, animated movie about her on YouTube that has mixed reviews from people, uh, but I like it. Yeah, it it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but back to Spawn. So, what took so long with the screenplay, according to um, VitalThrills.com? is it seems like McFarlane wasn't focused on the screenplay as much and it was hard to sell. I can see why it's hard to sell though. Because number one, you didn't want to mm-hmm. do an origin story. That's a, that's one thing. And then also too, how do you actually try to explain something to a studio that you don't know if it's going to work out or not? because it doesn't have an origin story attached Mm. to it. I can see that too because Marvel and DC are the big giants. So how can your company image compete with Marvel and DC in the Hollywood sense? Well, another thing too is like I ended up finding out something else too. This is what he said. He goes, I wrote the first draft of the screenplay if I'd done my job and written a screenplay that mattered, that would have sold it. I'm uh, capable, capable of that to, uh, that in to start with. And then he also adds, that's why I went to get Jason Bloom to produce and attach Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner to add the quality to it. My goal is to continue to add these kind of quality people at all levels that are more, the more I can add those people the less I become relevant as a risk. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, because he was a he's appearing he's appearing as a first time director and writer. And the article was saying that studios are were afraid of risking losing money because he has no experience directing right <laughs> a superhero exactly. movie and you want my money right no <laughs> and this is a billion dollar industry i'm not going to give you a five, 400 million dollars to go make a movie or 150 million dollars to make a yeah. movie yeah that could wind up failing and be a failure i feel like McFarland may have to put aside his ego a little bit and open up to more directors I agree. Did you know he also added this comment, though, too? There's going to be no fun lines in it, and it's just going to be this dark, ugly two hours worth of movie, which you actually added into that, which is essentially what a lot of supernatural horror movies are anyway. There's not a lot of fun, funny in them, and that seems to be a weird handle for a lot of people in the city to get over because they sort of go into a superhero Avengers default of all time all the time. Then he also said, I bent, my bent for what I want to do with Spawn is a lot more serious and a lot more dark than what people are seeing traditionally in PG-13. Superhero movies is just going to be a, a dead serious R-rated, scary, creepy movie, Dune, period, and I'm not wavering from that. And if at some point they just go, no, the only way this gets made is if we convert that, uh, com- convert that, then we're never going to make it. I'll go and beg, borrow, and steal the money. I'll get it made. Don't worry, I'll get it made. Mm. There's two big roles in the script. There's obviously sort of Spawn himself, although in a weird way, it's not the biggest role, and then there's the cop. The cop is the character, Twitch, who's been there since issue number one. Twitch is the role in this one, and I sort of refer to him as my sheriff, Brody, who is in the uh, sheriff in the movie Jaws. Although it was called Jaws, Jaws didn't really talk a lot in the movie, right? He just kind of showed up in the opportune, uh, opportune time to make the movie worthwhile. It was Sheriff Brody, the humans talking, chasing the fantastic thing that sort of made the movie. And to me, there's that element, everything else is normal in the story other than the shadow moves. And at times, even when it moves, the cops just sort of think he's losing his mind. So he doesn't even trust that the shadow's moving. If you're a bad guy, then this thing is going to come and it's going to get you. Mm. What do you think of that um, Even in the Joker, there were comedic moments. I mean, I know he was the Joker, but that was dark. And it, was dark like, it creeped my sense. soul out, but then I laughed too. So right. I I feel like even in Deadpool, like that was dark, but there's comedy. But I guess his argument would be those are both kind of comedic characters, and Spawn isn't. But right. Spawn can have some element of comedy in it, even if you're right. introducing that clown. Also... Right, exactly. You need to have some type of ground to where you can actually have it leveled out for different audiences. Right, right. And I know he was, you know, people were asking, are you going to stream this? Um, Is it coming to the theaters? And he was like, I want to, I really want to make it for the theaters. Um, And if it does well, I'll stream it. 
I don't know. I mean, I think a Spawn movie would actually be a bit more beneficial than for the mm-hmm. stream because it can actually go out to the overseas box office and it can make over a billion dollars that way opposed to doing a streaming of it because you're not going to make much money doing streaming. Mm, that's true. You know, that's one of the pros and cons. I mean, yeah, you get to see a movie for six bucks or for free, if you will, if you do Netflix, but you're also playing a monthly subscription, but you're not, but here's the thing. You're not getting that box office draw that you would from an overseas box office. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah. Because some movies that bomb, um, they become popular streamed. So that's how some people make their money back. Exactly. And then, too, with him saying that Spawn just shows up, like Jaws, you're, com- you're comparing a shark movie because it's not supposed to get this Spawn is not supposed to have this that much dialogue in the movie he's saying too but he's just saying that Spawn just happens just to show up so that tells me that these two people just witness him just showing up yeah I don't know it's I mean we'll see I don't know if there's a a, a release date um no no release date but yet. he wants to make it this year so maybe a, yeah. maybe fall twenty twenty or next. Year. I would say about twenty twenty two. Yeah, because yeah, well next year is twenty twenty one. So I say about twenty twenty two. Don't twenty twenty one is next year. <laughs> <laughs> but he also said this too. He says Spawn is King Arthur and Twitch is Sir Lancelot. And it isn't about physically or jumping over buildings. This is more a brawn and brain combination. And the first film I think of with him is The Hurt Locker. With the army grunt doing the job. And that spilled out into the out into all these roles leading up to Wind River. There was a sense of melancholy to that character that's important. And that, that was a movie also made by a first-time director, but one who wrote the, the thing and wasn't nervous about trying to get what you want. Jeremy had the experience of working with the first-timer and saw that it, if you put a good crew together, the whole the whole is way better than the parts and you don't have to hmm. worry. And that's pretty much the whole I article. feel like he <laughs> should just focus on his comic and not try to jump off on other movies like maybe that's his issue with writing the script he's like oh i'm gonna make this like jaws or "Ooh, let me take elements of joker oh deadpool did well let me take elements of that (laughs) i'm like no just stick to the comic you know just 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 lock yourself in the the game like misery stephen king you know or the shining and focus. Don't look at those evil twins and all that blood coming out right. the wall. Just just focus <laughs> on your comic. Right. Just focus on making good comic books and everything. But I also feel like this too. Make yes. a good script. Stop focusing on everything else. Just make a good script and try and sell it the way that it needs to be sold. Because the way you're trying to describe the thing is not is not going to be beneficial towards the studio that's going to say, you know what, I'm going to give you 
about a three. I give you one hundred fifty million dollars, Todd, and make this movie. That's just me going off the cuff, but I don't see them doing that. I don't see them saying, you know what, I have full trust in you. You're going to be able to do it, opposed to other directors who can make the movie and can actually make the money back for the for the movie studios. Yeah, I. It's it's tricky. This this film is tricky because I I like the first movie Spawn, and I think I saw some of the HBO series, but it's been a while. Uh, you can I haven't probably find HBO it somewhere series. on YouTube. I'm not sure, um, but yeah, I I mean, like one of the articles I read said this was like the first um, feature film for African American superhero. I mean, this is pre-Black Panther. What? That's what this one of those articles said I read. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's before the Black Panther, uh, Black Panther movie and all that. So it's important to me because I don't see many of my representation on screen. Um, but I... Yeah. Man, I don't know. I mean, even taking race out of it, it's like you have to write a good movie. Like it has to touch right. the audience. The audience has to relate to it. Even if he's an anti hero, like Joker. Like people felt sorry for the Joker. Right. You want to have some type of emotional attachment to the yeah. Joker and what they're doing. Hmm. I wonder if he can get the director or writer from Joker to help him. Todd uh, Phillips would be the um, would be the director yeah, for I, that. I, I need to call Todd McFarlane like I have his number <laughs> and tell him <laughs> you need to call Todd Phillips and you need to back away from this. It's okay. We will say, <laughs> you know, comic written by Todd McFarlane to please your ego. We will put that, that first. <laughs> Based on the comic hit comic books. Yeah, based on the fantastic hit comic books by <laughs> big letters Todd McFarlane. We'll do that for you. But other than that, you just need to step away and be like a consultant. Right. That'll be better though, is for him to be a consultant on it rather than him take the hymns of doing the whole thing. Right. And with Jamie Foxx. He was in a, another superhero movie. I don't know why I forgot. It was Spider Man. Yeah, the reboot Spider-Man. I didn't like yeah. him in that. Like, he was the villain, I think. I didn't like him in that role. So that's yeah, what I have villain. in my head when they say, oh, he's going to be Spawn. And I was like, mm, Michael Jai White is not doing that much. Maybe he is. I don't know. But. <laughs> you see, for me. <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go on. But for me, with Jamie Foxx taking the role, and everything, I'm okay with it because of his other stuff that he's done. You know, he did Ray, he did other movies aside from that role in Spider-Man, which I'm willing to mm. forgive him for that role in Spider-Man because that was not his fault. He was just doing it the, the way that the script was actually called him to do. So I can actually forgive him on that part. So, and I also feel like this, if you're going to get a top A list actor like Jamie Foxx, yeah. give him dialogue. Because they, that's another thing too. They want they're not going to give him that much dialogue. No, Spawn talks. <laughs> like exactly. I, I, I have not. I will admit to you and your listeners, I have not read the Spawn comics, 
But from this conversation, I want to go and get the Spawn comics so that I can be more familiar with the character besides the 1997 movie. And you see, I'm the same way because that's all I'm familiar with as well. I haven't read a single Spawn comic either. I just know briefly about his background. Yeah, so like coming that. from that perspective, like if I didn't look at the 1997 movie and you're showing me this character as is, I would have questions that would disrupt my enjoyment of the movie. Like, okay, so why is he like that? What are those chains for? Uh, why doesn't he talk? Um, what is he doing? What is his purpose? Like, I don't know if that's just me, but I probably would ask a hundred questions and that would distract me from the script, like the movie, enjoying it. Cause I would be like, who is this guy? Why doesn't he talk? Why is he dressed like that? What's going on? Hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, uh oh, (laughs) movie's over with. Oh no. And don't get me wrong. You can actually make a movie to where you know, you, with no dialogue, because we saw that in A Quiet Place. Yes, but that wasn't a that. superhero movie. But, <laughs> no, that's that's right. Exactly, that's what I was trying to say. It's you can't you can't do that. It's like comparing from apples to oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It you is. Know? So I, I don't know. I mean, I think we would have to go talk to Todd McFarlane. All right, okay yeah after this show we're gonna get in our car <laughs> and we're gonna put our mask on of course everyone stay safe <laughs> and we're gonna <laughs> I think my, my book is like a sore thumb <laughs> we're gonna talk to Todd and Harlan through our mask <laughs> Todd what are you doing stop put the pen down and walk away <laughs> Put the cookie down down and walk away. (laughs) We'll give you like your name in big letters for the (laughs) intro title. By the way, we're not going to give you the uh, the, your name in big letters. The studio is ours. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah. The studio. We're here from the studio. We'll say Todd McFarlane Spawn. It'll open up like that. Yeah, what do you think? think, Like, who are you? I I tell you, we're from the studio. You don't believe us? I mean, I know we're interns, but still, they sent us because this is an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) This is a state of emergency that you need to step away from the pen and walk away before you ruin this movie. (laughs) Before you do any more damage. Please and thank you. Because even with Blade, wait, when did Blade come out? 98. Okay, so that was right after Spawn. Yep, and that's actually the movie that saved the comic book industry and also saved the comic book oh, movies. Because we have bat nipples. <laughs> you know, I saw that with my sister in the movie theaters. So oh. imagine how... Can you imagine how um, how scarred I was to see giant bat nipples on the right. big screen? But yeah, that's a butt, and I was like, "Is this like a sexual movie? I don't know what's going on." <laughs> right, especially the bat girl who also had nipples too. I'm like, "Oh wow, yeah." I'm like, "Okay, 
And then also the bad puns that we had in that movie mm-hmm. and everything too. It was just bad. So after that, nobody wanted to take a chance on comic book movies. As a matter of fact, we didn't even know that Blade was a comic book based movie until like later on. Oh, it was, interesting. So it made money at the box office and Wesley Snipes was the one who winded up saving um, matter of fact, he's actually maybe the first black superhero that's actually part of a comic book that saved uh, the comic books. Mm. Saved comic book-based movies. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And then Black Panther made a lot of money. Right. Hmm. I'm kind of nervous about that, but that'll probably be episode two. Like, Black Panther 2. So, this would be like a little preview for whatever episode we're going to do next on Black Panther 2 if we find more news about it. But I'm nervous because with sequels, they either are hit or miss. That's true. And if you're trying to do this as a three-movie film, then mm, I don't know. I mean, I have confidence, but not that much because of the whole sequels, like are you trying to talk Black Panther? Like, I'm gonna, this movie's gonna make more money, Black Panther 2, than one. Like, are you trying to top that? And yeah. Anyway, that's for another episode. All right. <laughs> um, so, what's your thoughts on movie theaters opening up on July 15th with uh, Cinemark? Actually, announced that. Um, actually, this is news to me. So this is like real-time news to me, and I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, um, Cinemark said July 15th that they would go on ahead and try and open up their movie theaters. I don't, I don't know. I'm still paranoid. Because um, I, I know the Ohio governor wants to, this probably has nothing to do with what you were talking about, but I'm going to loop it in. Um, I know the Ohio governor wanted to open the state May 1st. Right. That's Um, pretty soon. Yeah. And I I, I don't have a timeline on this virus, you know. Um, But I feel like maybe fall. And if I'm right, I want everyone to pay me. But (laughs) I, I feel like maybe like maybe late fall. I'll pay you a dollar. What? Oh, everyone pay me a dollar if I'm right. <laughs> I feel like late fall, fall, maybe, um, maybe this virus would die down and we can all go out. But having it open in July, I don't know. My only issue with opening in, opening in July is that, you know, our theater is like, oh, we're cleaning, we're doing this, that, and the other. And they were open while this virus was beginning at first, especially the movie theater where I am. Um, they were like, right. we're doing our part, we're cleaning, we're doing this, X, Y, Z. But my problem is you would have to continue to do that. Exactly. Right? And you can't yep. really police people and say, you need to cover your mouth when you sneeze. No. But there is precautions that you can actually take and everything you know yeah and stuff like that you can spray people in the face (laughs) Lysol (laughs) but for me I think it's a lot more 
realistic in a sense for it to be in July opposed to May because mm-hmm. May is just around the corner and we're still not seeing the end result yet for this thing yeah there's so, so many um, news updates or that, well not news updates but so much we don't know about this virus and the governor is like we're going to open May 1st the governor here in Georgia said we may open May 13th but I still feel like May is too early, but then there's the whole thing where we're trying to get the economy going, we're trying to push it. But it's and like, we need, I need to know from Dr. Falke. Like, that's the only person I'm listening to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All political views aside, I'm just going to listen to Dr. Falke. If he says, <laughs> okay, this virus has officially ended. Yay, party. Bring out the public's cake. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. If he says that, then I go out to the movies. Right. And then it's like shots, shots, shots. Shots, shots, shots. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I I agree with you on that, though, too, where I'd rather go on ahead and listen to a full-blown doctor rather than somebody that's actually in the political realm. Even though they get their sources, in a sense, from, from doctors and everything, but to actually have a doctor on board and say, hey, look, the virus is actually officially gone and everything, that would be where I stand on it as well. Yes. And I also feel like there are just germy people anyway. So, there. Right. It, it seems like it would just kind of linger, but not be, hopefully, it won't be as um, powerful. Exactly. And another thing, too, is, like I said, it's more realistic for July 15th. Mm-hmm. But who's going to go to the movie theaters mm. that quickly? Yeah, that's, that's, like, that's going to be, well, I don't know. Some people probably are like, yes, I can get out of the house. Uh, movie theater. Sick of Netflix. Right. Boom. Right. It may be a packed house. Right. Because we're going to be hungry for it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be one of those people that's going to be hungry to go to the movie theaters and everything. You know, because that's what I do. But yeah, um, but you know what I'm saying. I'll be, I'm gonna be hungry for that. But am I gonna be hungry enough to get sick and die? No, Mm-mm. no, not especially if the movie isn't good. I'm like, I died for this. He's a <laughs> right. crap movie. Oh, right. I'm gonna resurrect myself and try again. Right. You know? Respawn yourself. Yeah. But another thing, too, <laughs> I mean, the governor's just opened up the beaches, some of the beaches over in Florida. Mm, yeah, my sister lives in Florida, so I feel very bad for her and her governor. I feel bad for my governor, too, though. <laughs> oh, what's your governor doing? Oh, let's just say he is not thinking logically about anything. He didn't lock down anything. He was letting people keep on coming in mm. and stuff like that. And there was more comments about the interpreter than about him because nobody cared about our governor and what he had to say because they don't like him. Nobody likes him. Hmm. That's kind of like our governor because everyone was fascinated with the uh, interpreter as well. Yeah. Like the sign, the guy who was doing the sign language. Yeah. He was like, they're like, he needs to go on ahead and clean his hair. Oh, which one? What did your guy look like? He had long hair with a beard, and he kind of looked he his his hair kind of looked greasy or whatever. But you know, 
But he's just there doing his job, doing his thing. Oh, see, then, ours was clean cut. He had like a shaved head. I'm talking about Georgia. <laughs> uh, he had like a white Santa Claus beard, and he was in this sharp black suit. And I was like, "Oh snap!" And, I gotta let you see. I, I gotta let you see it. Yeah, I let you see <laughs> mine's too. All right, I'll show you. I'll show you yours if you show me mine. I definitely will. Okay. Uh, so. Let's see here. We also have Comic Con that's actually canceled after 51 years mm. of it. And I said this on my podcast with Crichton. I said they need to go ahead and cancel Comic Con because who wants to see a sick, sick celebrity? Mm. And not only that, but we had Tom Hanks that got sick. We, and I'm not saying he's going to be part of Comic Con or anything like that. And Edris Alba also got sick. But anybody can contract this virus at any given time. And Hall H, that that Hall H panel, from what I heard, Hall H is like the smallest room that they actually have in the San Diego Comic Con building. Mm, yeah, I knew some people that went to Comic Con. They say it was very disorganized and you couldn't hardly move. Yeah. Like there was a lot of people, like shoulder to shoulder. So you're exactly. talking about opening <laughs> Comic Con during this viral infection no <laughs> exactly and it's like who are you going to go see there's no one that you can actually do meet and greets with you had some of the studios that wasn't even going to be there this year anyways because of the fact that Marvel's still working on their stuff and everything so they don't have anything they put together yet These, uh, Warner Brothers didn't really have anything either and stuff and things like that so Really, what was the actual point of actually doing it unless you're going to have a bunch of movie trailers and have some celebrities talk about certain things? I just didn't see what the point was. But I also felt feel like this for the safety of the people that we actually do need to cancel Comic-Con because it's over, over a million people that's going to be there from all over the world. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's right. And especially those with the um, travel ban, those countries where you can't travel to that's right. yeah that's gonna be a big one but over in georgia <laughs> um <laughs> in my neck of the in my neck of the woods <laughs> i know uh momo Khan was canceled and that usually happens ooh, i think around may well pff, may is tomorrow basically um i think around like may i want to say the end of may but i'm not sure um i i only been I think I've been once or twice. But it's, you know, it's spread out. But I doubt anyone can follow that six-foot rule. Oh, wow. And MomoCon is mostly like uh, anime and gaming with some pop culture. Okay, I never heard of that one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it started out as a small um, convention Oh, I want to say through Georgia Tech, but I'm not sure your Georgia listeners can correct me. Um, I imagine you have thousands of Georgia listeners. <laughs> I do actually. I do have some Georgia list, uh, listeners. Oh, sweet! Had. Yeah, based oh. off the analytics that I saw, I do have some Georgia um, listeners. Yes, call into the show. <laughs> yeah you guys can actually do a voicemail message yes do a voicemail message or email john show and yeah, um we love your night at gmail.com 
and I'll go on ahead and uh, I'll put that into the show. Yes, yes. Give us updates if you know any. Uh, but yeah, MomoCon is canceled. Um, DragonCon is not canceled. Um, DragonCon here is like our Comic-Con. Uh, it's one of the biggest sci-fi fantasy gaming conventions. Yep. And um, all the a few celebrities, uh, a big number of celebrities come through. Um, I know um, Stan Lee, I think one time I went to the parade, he was the Grand Marshal at one point. Mm. And I know William Shatner was like a, a regular guest at Dragon Con. And then you also had the guy who played Deathstroke. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Arrow was there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, um, from what I saw on the website, it will likely continue since it's going to be in September. So it's September 3rd through the 7th. So it, the virus maybe died down by then. Um, but I know there was some controversy I think it was last year with one of the hotels here in Georgia the Marriott um, it was some type of disease that uh, outbreak that happened at one of those hotels and they were kind of nervous like is Dragon Con gonna continue because there's this outbreak from poor cleaning habits for the hotel um, so if the hotels can stay clean <laughs> Like, if they can just up the cleaning, then I feel like Dragon Con would be okay. But also, Dragon Con can be risky. Because I've been two, three times, and there's something called Con Crud. Yep, yeah. that's exactly what happens at Comic Con over in San Diego, too. Yeah, so that's that's my concern. Like, I feel like the virus would have to be at its weak state. And even if con crud happened, then it wouldn't be so deadly. Exactly. But we'll see. Um, so far, Dragon Con is set to continue. And then the organizers are keeping in touch with um, hotel attendees. See, I'm glad that they're actually keeping in touch with them and everything because the staff does need to know if they're going to be doing the con, the con or not so i'm glad that they're doing that yeah 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 you can go on dragoncon.org for more information and they did not pay me but i just put it there <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so there's a the little piece of information that dropped yesterday you, you, remember, you, you remember hearing a thing about this matter cut huh about Justice League released the Snyder Cut. What? Oh, this is news to me. Okay, go. I'm fascinated. Okay. okay. So this has been going on for a while. Where we have Ben Affleck, Jason Momoa. We also had Gal Gadot that actually dro- dropped some stuff a couple of months back or a year ago. They said that there is a Snyder's Cut and they want it released. Mm. So all of a sudden they get on they got on Twitter and said, release and hashtag, release the Snyder Cut. Then, Snyder himself put in hashtags, release the Snyder Cut. Mm. So, you have a bunch of people that are wanting to, re- a bunch of actors and actresses that's wanting to release the um, 
the Snyder's Cut of Justice League. And so Jesse Eisenberg got questioned, why hasn't he gone on board with doing the uh, doing release the uh, Snyder's Cut? And he said that, this is just me paraphrasing, mm-hmm. and he said that he doesn't ever watch any of his performances or anything like that on the screen. Pretty much, he's just one and done, and he's once he's done doing his thing, that's it. He moves on. He doesn't go and watch his performance or anything like that. So, for him to promote a Snyder's Cut wouldn't be beneficial to him. Hmm. But he does have to see it, <laughs> right? Can he just promote it and not look at it? Like, can he just well, do hashtags? Well, get this. Andrew Lincoln, this is just an example, he doesn't look at his performance on The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, I I don't blame him. That one scene where, like, Negan was about to chop his son's arm off, and then he had, like, it was a powerful performance, but, man, that was, like, real person, real-time crying. Like, right. snot bubbles, everything was just everywhere. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I would not want to see that either. Right. But yeah, um, with Jesse, though, he doesn't want to watch his performance because he actually feels like, and this is also with Andrew Lincoln as well, because of the fact that he will go on ahead and be his own worst critic Mm. and be like, hey, I could have done this scene better and everything. And that's also the same thing with Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah. As well. Matter of fact, he walked out of an interview. Yeah, he has anxiety disorder. Okay. I didn't know about him having anxiety disorder like that. Disorder, whatever it is. He he has anxiety. So, um, yeah, I understand that. And that that interviewer wanted him to sing from, um, it's a marriage story on Netflix. He wanted him to sing one of the right. songs that he performed in that movie. Um, but he said, no, um, um, I think, I don't know who Andrew Driver's people were, but I feel like they should have reached out to that interviewer and said, well, he... they did. Oh, they did. They oh, did. okay. Yeah. They, and Adam Driver said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So during the interview, they asked him, sure enough, would you do it? He walked straight out of that interview. Mm. It showed very disrespect towards Adam Driver. Yeah, it did. Knowing what his publicist said, was no, he's not going to do it. Do not ask him. And they went on ahead and did it anyways. Oh, okay. Okay. See, that's why we need you around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember I actually did a podcast episode on that. Mm, okay. Yes. But but that's a story for another time. But that, but what do you think about Jesse Eisenberg? I feel like that he should at least try, try to do this for the fans at least. Uh, yeah, but maybe Jesse Eisenberg just cares about Jesse Eisenberg. That's true. I mean, I I wasn't thrilled with Justice League. Um, I wasn't either. Or his performance. I was like, what is going on? Especially that, I think it was one creepy scene where he, didn't he lick a lollipop? It was some even, kind of candy or something. I want to say. Was, I think that, that was Batman versus Superman with the oh, Dolly Ranch. That's what that was. And then you put it in that guy's mouth or something. Mouth. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's that's another movie. 
yeah, that's a topic for another time. But I did enjoy the. If I had to put two and two together, I would. I, I prefer the not the direct the theatrical cut of that movie. I prefer the uh, director's cut for that movie. Mm, yeah, because it's it's so much of a, it's a better it's a better film. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't so the theatrical cut was released right for Batman versus Superman. Oh, okay, but not for Justice League. Okay, yeah. And, yeah, so you have Ben Affleck that wanted a, a director's cut for uh, Justice League. Same thing with Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa. They all got on Twitter wanting a, a Snyder cut. And the studios said before that there's not enough stuff to actually put out a Snyder's mm. cut. But get this, Snyder actually released a bunch of pictures that proved otherwise. Hmm. And he even posted a film reel of the film. Interesting. And Snyder also, yeah. And Snyder didn't get fired from from Warner Brothers, from what I heard. Uh, matter of fact, his daughter committed suicide during that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they got Joss Whedon to step in and he winded up directing Justice League to finish it off or whatever. But from what I heard, that the studios had a lot of say so and what, how everything went. So I think they just went on here and scrapped everything that uh, Zach did and made it a Joss Whedon film instead. Mm. Like there's moments where you can see where Zach actually had his thumbprints in certain things, but then there's other aspects where you can actually sense a little bit of the Avengers type stuff. Yes, the the parts that made sense. <laughs> right. Hmm, interesting. I didn't know that part. It's, it's really sad. Um, but I don't hmm, I don't know I, I feel like there's some type some type of beef I'm just assuming with Holly with the Hollywood and Zack Snyder because if they're saying there's not enough footage and he has the proof that there is footage something's not adding up no hmm it's like they're trying to hide it yeah from existence. or i'm wondering if hollywood or the studios want more money like if you pay us kind of like a ransom if you pay us this much money then we'll release oh, yeah the director's cut see i didn't think about it from that perspective that's actually a pretty deep perspective you gotta part. think like al compone like our, like last <laughs> night's episode, <laughs> you gotta think like a right. gangster because that's what Hollywood is. They're gangsters. That's true. But yeah, I mean, I'm I would like to actually see a director's cut for Justice League because I want to see that film being redeemed because I didn't care for Justice League. Mm-mm. I didn't either, and I didn't like, and I didn't like what Joss Whedon did to Batman. I did not like him putting humor into his character like the way he did it. Oh, like the way he did it. Oh, okay. yeah, the way that, yeah, the way that uh, Josh Whedon put that humor into Batman's dialogue. Mm, okay, okay. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah, I didn't like the way that they did that. Where you actually had uh, during the time with uh, Clark being resurrected and having that aspect, and then Batman says, "I forgot what." The dialogue is with Batman. I haven't seen Justice League since the movie was released. 
since I actually saw it in theaters. Oh, yeah, same here. I was like, where did that horse come from? I'm confused. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, no. But to be honest with you, Batman did ride a horse in one of the, in one of the comics. Mm, yeah, yeah, Dark Knight, right? The, the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's the that's the Batman I like. <laughs> oh, crudgety. I didn't get my social security check. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, Danny Glover yeah give me the Danny Glover Batman <laughs> on a horse. Oh, Damn it. I deserve it. <laughs> right. But I think that's everything that I pretty much wanted to cover for the for this episode segment, was there anything else that you wanted to cover? No, it's just we'll we'll see how Spawn does, and I guess we can do another episode um, when it releases, or if there's any breaking news. Yeah, if there's any breaking news or whatever. I'll do another. We'll do another podcast episode, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's and all. we'll update everybody on that. That's all I have. Um, everyone, stay safe. Um, maybe follow the governor's orders. I'm not sure at this point, but just trust your instincts. <laughs> hey, good right. luck. Just use your common sense. Yeah, right. yeah, and spray people in the face <laughs> with Lysol. <laughs> they'll thank you. Yeah. I mean, they may punch you in the face, but it, you know they'll thank you later. And then you have to disinfect your face afterwards after they do it. Oh yeah, yeah, you will. Make sure you have plenty of Lysol then for all the violent crimes you would do by spraying people in the face. And also, too, don't touch your face. Wash your hands and wash your butt. <laughs> so Yes, please. And thank you. Wash your hands uh, for 20 seconds. Alrighty. So that's going to do it for me for Movies Lovers Unite. This is John DeGore from Movies Lovers Unite. And until next time. Bye. Bye.